is Unexpected with Hannah Love. In this podcast, you will gain a new perspective of how God loves you enough to call you to things that you couldn't have imagined for yourself. Rejection. We've all felt it. It seems to be an inescapable offshoot of humanity's brokenness. And while each of us will have had different experiences with it, it's there and it will eventually leave its mark. And because every person does experience rejection, I truly believe the enemy strikes us here more than any other place. Why? Because experiencing enough rejection can kill a calling. And Satan would love nothing more than to pile it on early and often. The easiest time to kill something, after all, is in its infancy. Rejection begins in childhood, and it can take on so many forms. For some, there may be a form of rejection within the family. Even if you had a wonderful childhood, rejection can sneak in unbeknownst, simply based off of circumstances beyond your control. For example, many grow up in a single-parent household, and those children may absorb that absence as rejection. For others, it could be parents with work schedules that keep them away more often than home. Again, these aren't unusual circumstances. It's typical to have working parents, and I'll add that it's great for kids to see a hard work ethic. However, the enemy loves to slide into these absences and start planting that seed where he can. Rejection. Maybe the parents don't make all the ball games or school functions, and deep down that child begins to believe that they aren't a priority. See how sneaky this can be and how early it begins. Some may have grown up with parents who place a lot of emphasis on performance, and these children may develop a sense of striving for fear of rejection. Then, at some point, our children will enter the big old world. As a mom of a brand new kindergartner, I have never been more painfully aware of all the ways that my little boy can feel the sting of rejection. And I guess a part of this awareness stems from my own experiences with other kids in school. I vividly remember walking back from my sixth grade classroom one day with one tennis shoe missing. We'd finished up basketball practice and I guess one of the girls thought it would be funny to hide my things. So I finally made the long embarrassing walk back to my classroom and explained to my teacher that I couldn't find my other shoe. He kindly let me go back to look for it, so I did. And I finally found it in a trash can in the gym. By my senior year, the stings kept coming. The back of our yearbooks were always designated for seniors and for pictures and letters of encouragement from the parents to honor their children. My sweet mama had written a line about my undeniable heart. But the girl in charge of my page changed the wording to undesirable. Seems small and petty, but those words are still there to this day, and they still bring a wave of sadness. Even though rejection from peers can be painful, rejection from authority figures can cut even deeper. Towards the end of my senior year, we had senior night for all the basketball players. Tradition had always been that seniors get to start the game for senior night as an honor. I'm talking, I remember watching seniors through the years who never got off the bench. But on senior night, that was their night. Well, there were only two of us girls who were seniors on the team. And although I wasn't a starter, I also wasn't far down the bench and always got some good playing time. So, we got ready for the game and had pictures taken at center court. 
But then I remember our coach turning to me. He told me that it was a conference game, so I wasn't going to start. He was sure I would understand, and I did. I understood rejection for all the town to see. I was humiliated and heartbroken. It wasn't long after that that softball season began, and though I played basketball and softball my whole life, softball was my stronger sport. I was an all-regional player. More than that, I was the starting pitcher for my senior team since I was in the ninth grade. However, my senior year, we consolidated with our rival school. That meant that the teams we used to play were now our teammates. And that also meant that the softball coach benched me. I didn't get to play, even in the outfield. I can't even tell you how devastated it was to work my whole life at a sport to be benched my senior year by a coach who had players from his own team that he'd rather have played. It's the only time in my life my mom ever let me quit, and I left rejected, ready to leave all traces of school behind me. And rejection does that from childhood on, and it goes with you, and it grows with you from family and school. It graduates into college, relationships, and working life experiences. A heart full of rejection can wreak lifelong havoc. I guess I wanted to share a few of my own experiences to remind those listening that truly nobody is exempt from encountering rejection. But in the midst of it, I also hope to share some lessons that God has revealed to me through it. The very first thing He reminded me of was that I wasn't alone in experiencing rejection. In fact, Jesus is the very picture of one who is rejected by many. Did you know that Jesus humbled himself to take on human flesh and be born a man in this world so that he could experience what we experienced? There is nothing that we experience today that Jesus didn't take on flesh to experience and then defeat when he went to the cross. Now, I'm not saying this to compare my rejection to Jesus at all. No, what I'm saying is that God knew that humanity couldn't fully relate to him unless He gave us an example, unless He came in human form to experience what humanity experiences. And that's what He did in Jesus. Jesus is God made flesh. He came to live as a man, but unlike man, He was perfect and lived perfectly. And despite being perfect, He still felt the stings of a broken world. I believe God knew there would be comfort in that in understanding Jesus loved us enough to come to earth so that His children would know that He, too, felt the things that we feel. Okay, guys, I just wanted to take a second and tell you about one of our partners, Crew. You know that I use the Bible, reference it, quote it, use it in my everyday life, especially on this podcast. Well, can you imagine what life would be like without a Bible? Like you couldn't even get a Bible. You couldn't hop on Amazon. You couldn't get one sent to your house. And maybe you couldn't even afford one. To take it a step further, imagine that you aren't even allowed to have a Bible. Honestly, sometimes we forget that there are people, many people around the world who simply can't get a Bible. That's why we're thrilled to partner with Crew. Crew is one of the largest evangelical organizations With over 25,000 missionaries in almost every country, Crew is giving Bibles around the world to people in their own heart language. 
and sharing the hope of Jesus. But here's where they need your help. For only $21 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. But when you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $21 as a thank you, Crew will provide meals for five hungry families through their humanitarian aid ministry. Simply text BIBLES to 71326 to help today. Imagine just how much this gift could change someone's life. So text BIBLES to 71326. That's B-I-B-L-E-S to 71326 to help now. Or visit give.crew.org slash unexpected. Message and data rates may apply. And even though there are many examples of Jesus being rejected in the world and by the world, there is one story that often jumps out at me. It is the story of Jesus being rejected at Nazareth, his hometown. I think the poignancy of it is that his rejection is by the people who are most familiar with him. And on another day, I may do a whole lesson on the dangers of rejecting the familiar because you're too close to see the truth of it. But I'll leave that for another day. Anyway, for the time being, let me read Luke 4, verses 16 through 30. When he came to Nazareth, where he had grown up, he went into the synagogue as he always did on the Sabbath. When Jesus came to the front, he read the scriptures. He was handed the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He unrolled the scroll and found where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he has anointed me to be hope for the poor, healing for the brokenhearted, and new eyes for the blind, and to preach to prisoners. You are set free. I have come to share the message of Jubilee, for the time of God's great acceptance has begun. After he read this, he rolled up the scroll and handed it back to the attendant. He sat down. Everyone stared at Jesus, wondering what he was about to say. And then he added, Today, these scriptures came true in front of you. Everyone was impressed by how well Jesus spoke, in awe of the beautiful words of grace that came from his lips. But they said among themselves, Who does he think he is? Isn't he Joseph's son who grew up here in Nazareth? Jesus said to them, I suppose you'll quote me the proverb, Doctor, go and heal yourself before you try to heal others. And you'll say, Work the miracles here in your hometown that we heard that you did in Capernaum. But let me tell you, no prophet is welcomed or honored in his own hometown. Isn't it true that many widows lived in the land of Israel during the days of the prophet Elijah, when he locked up the heavens for three and a half years and brought a devastating famine over the land? But he wasn't sent to any of the widows living in that region. Instead, he was sent to a foreign place, to a widow in Zarephath of Sidon. Or who have not considered that the prophet Elisha healed only Naaman, the Syrian, rather than one of the many Jewish lepers living in the land. When everyone present heard Jesus' words, they erupted with furious rage. They mobbed Jesus and threw him out of the city dragging him to the edge of a cliff on the hill on which the city had been built, ready to hurl him off. But he walked right through the crowd, leaving them all stunned. After he leaves his hometown, Jesus continues on his path of ministry. He goes on to Capernaum to cast out demons, minister, and heal many. And here I see a big lesson. It is so important not to harden your heart because of rejection. Rejection. 
If Jesus had hardened his heart after the rejection of his own town, he would have missed the opportunity to continue on in his ministry. See, even though we harden our hearts in self-defense, it actually becomes an act of selfishness. If hearts are too hard to allow healing in, it stands to reason that they are also too hard to allow in others. Not only others, but to allow in the love of God and the blessings He has for you. And if you're unwilling to remain soft-hearted, you'll also be denying God the opportunity to bless you and work through you. Which brings me to the second big takeaway. Jesus didn't strive. In retaliation to rejection, Jesus didn't call a crowd over to perform miracles and prove the people wrong. He could have, easily. But the response of his heart was not to strive. It was not to prove himself or his worth. He simply left them. He went on to perform miracles where he was both received and celebrated for who he was. How often are these our own experiences to rejection? A hard heart to protect us from ever feeling the pain of exclusion or name-calling, mockery and rejection? Or maybe your response is to strive, strive to prove them wrong, become successful and feel worthy of acceptance. Today, I want to remind you of what God showed us through the life of His own Son, Jesus. Don't harden your heart, sweet friends, and don't strive. God's acceptance isn't based on performance value, but rather on the fact that you are His precious child whom He loves without condition. My mama told me years ago when I finally met Shay and knew that he was the one that God made for me. She told me that her prayer for me had been that my heart didn't become hard. She had seen the years of childhood and adolescence and adulthood. She had seen the rejection and the toll they took. And now, as a mama of my own precious babies, I can say with tears in my eyes that that too is my prayer. Not only for my sweet boys, But for those of you hearing these words, today I pray this has been a reminder that though the world is full of rejection, we need not let the enemy use it to steal our calling. A hard heart is exactly what the enemy wants. Striving is what the enemy wants. Anything to wound us and take us from the ministry that God is calling us to in life. Today, I pray anyone under the sound of my voice asks God, to bring healing in those areas of rejection. I pray that hearts will soften. I pray that striving will cease. And I pray you'll take back what the enemy has tried to steal, kill, and destroy from your life. I ask God to replace those experiences, bring restoration, life, and joy abundant. In Jesus' precious name I pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening today. If this episode has encouraged you, please feel free to share it with your family and friends. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world today, and my hope is that this show is a candle in the dark.